Hi everyone and welcome to the Pama podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Um, and yeah, today we're kind of beginning a new series on the show, exploring grief, um, grief and trauma, and uh, in particular grief. Uh, many of you who are regular listeners will know that I myself lost a parent about nearly 20 years ago. Um, and I spent a lot of time in those in that intervening period going through unhealthy and healthy responses to grief and in the last few years I've discovered a healthy response to grief and one of the things I want to do is to help is to really explore this this subject because I believe it's really really important so um, yeah in the next few shows we'll be having people on who experience different kinds of grief and um, and a grief expert as well and we'll be exploring this subject grief because we need to talk about grief. So, um, yeah, um, and my first guest is a good friend of mine, um, a musician uh, who lives just around the corner from me, but is actually from America. Um, uh, Kahi, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me on. So yeah. excited for this. Yes, yes, we um, yes we hung out a few weeks ago at a pub and we ended up mm-hmm. like chatting for half the night about grief. <laughs> and we were just saying before we came on air that like we wish we'd had a we'd, we'd had a we had a microphone then because uh, that was a really good discussion. So yeah, um, quite the quite the conversation to have in the middle of a pub. I know fantastic. it was <laughs> it was really uh, yeah it kind of was quite stimulating. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't uh, any it wasn't like depressing at all in a way in a way it was it was really more morbid or anything that you think grief would be about would be. It was actually really <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really um, it's very difficult to find um, places where you can talk about grief in an open manner that's not but like you're right it isn't more than depressing but it's not focusing at kind of finding those places that you can focus on how much you've grown those conversations are very rare so it's always nice to have a space where you can have those for sure yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, and hopefully in this series um, we'll be doing that a lot more. So, yeah. Um, so tell us a bit of your your story and your experiences around grief. Yeah. Um, so I lost my father a year ago. Um, I'm 25 now, 24 at the time. And um, before that, he had been sick for about five years. He um, had an aneurysm uh, about five years ago, and on that day, I mean, we thought he wasn't going to make it, um, and he underwent brain surgery, and they closed the aneurysm, which, of course, induced a surgical stroke. Um, so he woke up from the surgery, and... Um, couldn't talk, couldn't walk, um, and half of him was, um, uh, not functioning as well. So, like, I think the left side of him wasn't functioning as well. Um, and so he was very sick, had to relearn everything from walking, speaking, and it really altered who he was as a person. Um, and then he ended up passing about about a year ago so it was a 
it was a very difficult thing to go through as I think it's yeah, I just turned twenty and Yeah. It's not a lot of things that um not something that a lot of twenty year olds have to go through. And it's it's something pretty difficult to navigate at I think at any age. Um especially if you're not really surrounded by mm. people who understand. I mean, most people in their early 20s are just going to university, trying to figure out what they're going to do with their lives and mm. don't have to deal with the loss of a parent or having a parent being very sick. And so um, there was a lot of years of grieving, um, just grieving such a big shift in my family. And even before he passed, I felt like there was a lot of time where he wasn't my, he was still my dad, but he, he wasn't really there. Like mm-hmm. He wasn't the same person. Everything about his personality kind of even changed. Um, and I think dealing with that and having those years leading up to as he got sicker and sicker and yeah. eventually passed. It, it was it was a long time to be leaving events even before his passing. Yeah, that's right. That's one thing that I've learned about grief is there's the grief before the grief. There's, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I had, it's interesting what you said because it reminds me a lot of what I went through with my mother because she was ill before she died like 15 years before she died she had an asthma attack which which left her brain damaged um, her short-term mm-hmm. memory was gone mm-hmm. um and she had to kind of rebuild it and it never came back the same and she wasn't the same person after that yeah. and so it was um which was especially hard on my my dad because um he'd known her for been married to her for 12 years already so mm-hmm. um it was easier for us to adapt because we were really little, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I understand that. And there was always kind of that thing in the background of, you know, one day this asthma is going to take her, you know. Yeah. Um, don't know when. You know, so I understand. I resonate with that completely. Like, And I think that's the thing. Grief is not just about when somebody dies. Mm-hmm. There's the grief of possibilities that you could have had which have gone or a life that you you could have had that was gone or somebody changing in a, in a way which you which, which which is irrevocable yeah. um there's that kind of grief as well for sure and it's interesting because if you really look at everyone's life i, I think that sometimes you can have like a really idealized version of what our life should be yeah and what our parents should be um, but if you really start kind of feeling about the layers for most people, you realize that everyone has those idealized things that they're grieving the, the loss of. And I know for me, there, there was a lot that once my dad had the aneurysm, it, my life shifted completely. And there was this hiding state of, I don't know when he's going to pass and kind of gets you stuck in a little bit of a cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember for me, um, he kept having episodes where he would, we would find him lying, um, lying in bed and he wouldn't be breathing. And so we'd have to call the ambulance and by the time he got to the hospital, he was mm. fine. But yeah. there's so many times that 
you almost passed. But really, it leaves you not being able to really move forward in life or do anything because you want to be there for your family and be there for Mm. the person you love. Yeah. It does put, like, caretakers' lives a little bit on hold. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, again, a lot of what you're saying resonates. I mean, I, I remember two years after my mother had a, her asthma attack that she had another one, which she, which was really, really bad. And my dad mm. was giving her mouth to mouth on the bed and I had to ring the ambulance. And I was mm. 10 years old. Oh, yeah, I can actually picture it as well. I can actually picture it. I remember it vividly. Um, yeah. And she survived. Um, but... You know, this is kind of, I had to do this. This I had to learn at like a young age. It was like growing up really quickly, you know. Um, mm-hmm. This is like becomes your normal, you know. And I'm sure that after your dad had his first stroke, that, that you had similar experiences, like where your whole life was, was changing, right? Oh, for sure. Um, I was, um, I had always kind of wanted to, so I grew up in Kansas City. Um, that's where I'm originally from. <laughs> Obviously now I'm London here. Um, and I grew up always wanting to move out of the Midwest. Um, yeah. I always imagined myself living in a bigger city. Um, and I kind of wanted to continue to pursue uh, music and hopefully doing that in, in a big city. And those five years that he was really sick, I decided to stay at home. And there were a couple of times I was attempting to kind of move out and then a serious incident would happen with him. And I was like, I can't leave my dad in what could be the final moments of his life. Like, I can't leave my family now. I need to stay here. And um, I'm, I'm so thankful that I did. It was... Um, Sometimes I think that it, it put me behind a little bit in life, but then I, I think to myself that I got to spend some of the most beautiful last years with him, and mm. I think that that has been definitely a gift. Um, and it really helped propel me into propel me into my future and moving to London. Um, yeah, this is sense of purpose. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that that's that's really that's really beautiful that you were able to to have those moments. Mm. You know, because I think when you and I kind of remember this too that when when you know that the you know there's some chance that someday that they're not going to be there, mm-hmm. and that's really real. Then you, I guess, you savor moments a lot more. Yeah. And it just changes your perspective on life. Mm-hmm. So I mean, certainly for me and my sister, it changed everything. Like, yeah, yeah even before she passed away. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really strange. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you were able to find that. I'm, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I know for myself that I feel very lucky that I had so much time coming to terms with my dad's mortality. Yeah. Um, because so many people have to go through losing a loved one very suddenly. Mm. And 
I had this scary way of to know that he was going to be passing soon and to know that for a while where you, get, you really got to favor those moments and it was kind of always at the back of your head as oh this person is not doing well I love this person I, I, I want to say all the things that I can but I've always wanted to say to them and I know mm. a lot of people don't get that opportunity and I think something important with processing this yeah really sitting with it sometimes is to look for those things that um to look, not looking just looking for the positive but looking for the things that really help you in your grief um and help make things special or beautiful in those times because this can be just very embarrassing yeah <laughs> It can sure. really consume you. Yeah. And sometimes just taking those moments to see, oh, well, because, yes, I did have to put a little bit of my life on hold. I chose to put a little bit of my life on hold while he was sick. But I, because of that, because of that choice, I got to see so many beautiful moments and, and framing mm. it like that. And a lot of times how we frame our grief really helps us get through it. Yeah. At least it's been really helpful to me. Yeah. That, that's really amazing. I mean, I guess my experience with that was that we just knew that one day it would happen. We didn't know when. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. no kind of sign it was getting closer. But it could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um so we had that in the back of our minds we didn't talk about it but we knew it mm-hmm. um and the thing was actually that i actually that i noticed was that she was at peace with everything by the mm-hmm. time she passed away yeah that had been her child her problem for the for 10 years that she'd never mm-hmm. ever accepted what had happened to her mm-hmm. um and by the time she passed away she had she come to terms with it and she was at peace with everybody. She was even, my dad and her had broken up, but she was, they were they were getting on really well, and you know my sister and her were getting on really well, and her and I were getting on really well, and she got to kind of have a goodbye moment with each of us, yeah. um, which wasn't we didn't realise was a goodbye moment at the time, but I have a sense that she did um, mm-hmm. purely because I read her diary after she died and. Mm-hmm. And she'd written about how um, how she wanted her funeral to be happy, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and like to remind herself to to remind me. <laughs> um, and there were loads of these reminders all the way through her diary, like, and it was like she knew, she knew, she knew, yeah, she knew it was it was coming um, on some kind of spiritual kind of level. I don't know, some kind of subconscious level. She kind of knew, and she'd made peace with herself. Um, and that was really really great and actually it really helped with grief as well just knowing that she was she was ready Um, and that um, she didn't resist it and she just just accepted it and uh, yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've tried not to cry during this series. Do you? <laughs> I, I'm going to fail miserably in every episode, I think, because every time I talk about any of my story, I just like go. <laughs> it's quite therapeutic, actually. Yeah, it really is. I think I think we always need a good cry. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think yes. that's so so needed. I um, yeah, I had a very similar experience with my dad. Um, uh, so from the time I can remember, he had always talked about how he wanted people to wear Hawaiian prints at his funeral because my dad was from Hawaii. Okay, uh, yeah. And that was a big part of who he was. He had a big personality, always happy and lively and mm. the most generous, kind person. He was, uh, he was a, a drama teacher. Oh, really? Wow. And he had just as much uh, drama to his personality to <laughs> awesome. fill that role well. But he always talked about how when he passed, he wanted it to be a celebration of life um, and actually a celebration in a party. Um, and he had been pretty at peace with his own life and mortality for, I think, a most of his life, he had had some friends that had passed kind of prematurely um, in his youth. Mm. And I think it made him very aware of just really living life to the fullest and really, um, really just taking every moment he had to just show love and kindness to everyone. Yeah. And, you know, when he was kind of like his final week, um, it was really interesting because about a week before he passed, um, I had been going to a therapist, which I recommend to almost anyone. <laughs> you feel like even if you're not dealing with a big, a, a big problem like grief, or if you're not going to something like that, um, sometimes if you just find yourself stuck, I think you should see a therapist because you find out so much about yourself and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> I would love to go to see a therapist. They're quite expensive in the UK. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're quite expensive in the States. Um, oh, yeah. Of, yeah, I've yeah. heard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can. If, you, if it's available to you, um, definitely see a therapist. Mm. But I, I had the luxury of being able to see one um, and uh, he recommended to me, he was like, is there anything that you haven't said to your dad that you want to say to him, like something that he's maybe holding on to? Or you can tell him, like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, I'm going to be fine. Um, and I thought of some things that were just things that I, I knew for him that he really... Um, he really wanted to see me, like, walking down the aisle one day and when I got married and everything. And that was yeah. something that was very important to him. And I remember I had a conversation with him, like, a week before he passed, just saying, hey, Dad, like, it's okay. Like, if you need to go, you need to go. Like, don't hold on for anything here. Like, I know you're suffering. I know you feel ready to go, but, like, just know that I'm going to be okay. And mm. we're going to be okay. Like, we, we want you to be happy and at peace. And, like, that moment, 
of course, will miss you. I would wish you to be there. But I want you to be at peace and be um, happy. And I'm going to be okay. And, yeah, literally a week later, they sent me past. And just having that moment of closure was such a gift. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I'm yeah. just so thankful for it. As an, I know you, as you said, you are as well. But you got that moment with your mom. Yeah, yeah, my moment was the night before she passed yeah. away. Um, she came to my house unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. and was bringing over this medication for my epilepsy mm-hmm. which I don't know, I still have no idea where she got it from because I I hadn't ordered it and I hadn't authorised her to pick it up on my behalf so <laughs> I have no idea where she got it from <laughs> and I'll, I'll have to ask her that one day <laughs> but she came and dropped this stuff off and we just had a chat and stuff and then the last thing we did was have this big hug and uh, my mother was like five foot two so she fits underneath my neck (laughs) and so it was like this big kind of bear hug thing and we just stood there and just like didn't say anything and just hugged and um it was it was lovely and um yeah and then she left and that was the last time i saw her um um yeah like literally about 12 hours later (laughs) she passed away so um yeah (laughs) <laughs> but that was a nice goodbye and she had that with my sister as well because my sister had gone travelling and so her goodbye to her was at the airport mm. so that was a nice goodbye and then she'd had a conversation she'd met my dad for a drink or something the week before just to talk about how we were doing the children were mm. doing and they were talk, reminiscing about good times they'd had together so they, mm. that, there was a kind of closure with everybody it was, it was, mm. it was really nice actually like, I'm glad she got that um, yeah, because yeah, yeah, she passed away knowing she was loved, you know. Yeah. And, I think, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that that's just one of the most beautiful gifts you can give to someone that's on their, on their way out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just reminding them that they're loved. And that they're going to be remembered. Um, I know I made some promises to my dad about about his funeral. We we really made it a a big, just fun event. Like we all we made sure that everyone knew to either wear Hawaiian print or to wear bright colors. Like no black, no black is allowed, and. Um, we, because he was a teacher and he had impacted so many people, we had about 300 people show up. And we had, I think, somewhere close to like 600 people watch a live stream of the funeral. And wow. Yeah, it was, it was insane. I, I, I couldn't believe it that so many people were there and were supporting, but. I think he's like, I can because he, he lived his life with such a, such a, a knowledge that our lives are short and that our purpose here is to build relationships with other people and to love on them. And, and that's really what lasts. Like, he wasn't ever a, a rich man, but he was so rich in, in love and generosity. 
Hmm. But I think that really, that seeing that kind of a response, and after that, you know, I, I really walked away with knowing, like, okay, this is how I want to live my life. Like, this is who I want to be. I want to be the person that loves people and, and extends generosity and, and impacts people in that way because truly, like, you could just see his legacy amongst people there. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. There's a there's a whole perspective which comes with grief, which you can't yeah. explain to somebody who's not experienced it. Mm. It just gives you a bigger picture about what life, what's in, what's really important, in, yeah. and what isn't important, and what's yeah. like. There's things that I like. I think we, to be honest, my family went through a bit of trauma quite young, so our perspective mm. changed um even before my mum mm-hmm. passed away but it, it's, it's just there's just this kind of perspective now with 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 us that it's like well some things are not worth getting worked up about like we just yeah. don't get worked up about things that other people get worked up about because mm-hmm. they're not worth it actually at the end of the day like it's not it's not actually that important it's annoying but it's not important you know kind of thing <laughs> you know you kind of just like well there's some there's more important things than that yeah. um and th- yeah grief does that to you I think mm-hmm. Is it, I mean I guess that's your experience too yeah it really does um and oddly enough I, I think you can with grief you can look at I, I think it's good to sit with the things that feel unfair and, and take your time to explore all of those emotions everything from like it's not fair that they died it's not fair that this happened to me so young like it's not fair that it ha- like, they passed away so young um, it's not fair to my mom it's not fair to on all these kind of levels but I think also once you kind of process those emotions and really sat with them and understood them I mean then you can really be oh well actually this is kind of a blessing that this happened at this time because I do have a different perspective and now I have more years in my life that I can view with this with this idea that life is fleeting and you know I think you can take that life is fleeting and be really sad and depressed about that and Mm. have that be kind of a hole that you sit in yeah or you can take it and say life is fleeting I need to take every opportunity I can I need to look for the important things like look through just the the messiness of life and find what beauty I can because that is fleeting and those are the moments you need to hold on to yeah absolutely yeah I, I, I went to a talk by Rob Bell last um, in the summer uh, talking about joy mm. and like the essence um, the essence of it was exactly what you just said life is fleeting we're going to yeah. suffer we're going to die at some point so lower the bar for joy and just look for joy everywhere you can like yeah. find it in every little thing and savour it mm-hmm. capture it don't miss it um, be fully present yeah. in it because you don't know how long you've got you don't know you don't know um 
what's going to happen tomorrow and to just make the most of every day and find joy and that's a better way to live than the kind of dwelling in the in like sitting in the darkness you know Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true, you know. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm in Enneagram Four, so we kind of like to sit in the darkness and in our existential angst, um, yeah. and it's really tempting to go there. And um, but I, I'm trying to do, to fight to look for joy. It, mm-hmm. You have to make an effort. <laughs> it's yeah. it, you have to. It's a, it's just a mindset you have to kind of keep telling mm-hmm. yourself, training yourself to look for joy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram, sorry, I'm an Enneagram 4 as well. So oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I totally resonate with that then, great. Oh. Yeah, anyone that is listening, just look at the definition of an Enneagram 4, and I am absolutely that. I had a friend look it up and we were reading it, and I'm like, this is hilarious, this is exactly it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I know, like, I think the first four is there's a bit of... Uh, we can, you know, we'll get consumed in um, melancholy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, something I like to say a lot, and I like to remember myself a lot, is just finding beauty in the mundane. Um, because I think it's easy to get caught up in looking, trying to find these uh, ideal, idealistic situations and these things in your life. Um, and trying to seek out these very grandiose things, but it's, it's a really good um, exercise just for our mental health to just zero in on the things that surround us and, like, look for the tiniest things that bring us joy or that these mm. beautiful, like, um, things like for me sometimes. I'm, I'm someone who, oddly enough, likes the rainy weather, and whenever it's rainy, I like to... And, and really see like oh this is so beautiful there's like some like little condensation on the window I have like a nice cup of coffee things like that that are just so mundane yeah but you can find such joy in those things and I think it's a really good way of grounding yourself especially if there's if you are in the midst of a big grief there's a lot of emotions that are happening with that and you're right just like zeroing in on yeah. those things is so yeah bring so much comfort and so much peace yeah absolutely yeah um yeah and i remember coming out of that talk and i my I literally my head my posture is changed i was looking upwards mm-hmm. um standing straight and i was looking for things to like little mm-hmm. things yeah. and uh it, it just changed when that little shift just changes so much mm-hmm. um and yeah, it, it's yeah. it's work, but yeah. Um, yeah. One thing that I that I the, the only one of the negative things that I found about grief though is that like pain is like often when we make changes in our life, it's when we get to a point where we cannot stand the pain anymore, mm-hmm. right? And so when you've had a lot of pain, like anyone who's gone through grief, yeah. your tolerance for pain is higher because you've been through mm-hmm. a lot of pain. So it often takes a lot of a lot more pain to get you to to make change mm-hmm. that's definitely been my experience it takes long it's taken longer for me to really go into the pain than and deal with things mm-hmm. than it would have done and um i don't know if that's been your experience but like 
Yeah, because just because your resistance level goes up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it does. Um, uh, yeah, it is, it's just funny how it affects us. Um, I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm very sensitive to things, hmm. but then other times when, especially when situations happen in my life, um, like negative situations, sometimes I feel like it can be like the straw on the camel's back, like it's the last the last thing that um, it can be a little tiny thing that can feel really overwhelming or, mm. or there are some times for me where it does take a lot more like I'm, I'm not as concerned about some of the more surface level issues mm. in life like I don't know I'm delayed on the tube or something it's like oh you know whatever like yeah <laughs> um, yeah the same same yeah yeah like yeah it's like actually that's one area where I'm quite good like I <laughs> Like because I, when I go down the tube a lot, I use the tube a lot, and so, and when I go down there and it's busy, I just like, I'll wait for the next train if it's busy. Like I don't, I actually, I don't care, and it's like, and all these people are getting all worked up about it. And this is a prime example of the of the of your perspective changing because like, you're like, I don't care if I miss this tube. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't have to get this tube for my, you know. Like there'll be another one in like two minutes, yeah, or another one a minute after that. So you can like literally just wait two or three minutes, and it's fine, yeah. and it's not the end of the world. Like you know, and that I think that's those are the little things. That's a good example of of, of how your perspective changes just a little bit. Yeah, have a little bit more patience. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely kind of caused me to try and see people more, and like. Seeing people, I mean, like, really, when I'm in a conversation with someone, trying to actually look in their eyes, like, try and actually get to know them on a deeper level. And mm. I think especially when I first meet people, too, I'm much more conscious of wanting to get to know who they are and not just, mm. I, I don't know, I have a very low tolerance for small talk now <laughs> yeah no i've i've never been good at small talk like i just can't do it like i uh, just you want to you want to get me conversate talking like i will talk for ages about anything that i'm passionate about or anything that i've mm-hmm. experienced or anything that i have any knowledge of like mm-hmm. and i will be fully alive and awake and alert and engaged yeah. for hours like I remember like our conversation like, when yeah. we first met like we talked for literally about two or three hours I think and but if you get into mm-hmm. chit chat I just like switch off go to sleep I can't like stay silent get tired you know I just yeah I think I've always yeah. been like that but especially when yeah like you say when you go through this kind of thing it's like yeah I don't I don't I haven't got time for any of the small talk anymore <laughs> yeah and it, I think it does open you up to being a lot more vulnerable with people because mm. you've been through such a a vulnerable thing. And, you know, when you... There are a lot of things that we can go through, especially with different types of trauma that mm. can happen to us. And mm. some of those traumas are, are not easy to talk about and they're not entirely accessible to mm. talk about. Yeah. But losing a loved one is... Well, I don't think that everyone likes to maybe really have in-depth conversations about it. Like, it's something that is so 
obvious to people. Like, if, if they've known you for many family, they'll know that someone passed. And, and mm. there's this understanding that you're going to see. And you have, you are reminded of it. You have to talk about it. And it's, it's more vulnerable. Um, and it's something where I feel like it's definitely left me a lot easier to be, um, yeah, just to open up to people very quickly about it, especially I think once I processed it a little bit more. And, um, yeah. I know um, when I was writing my album, um, at the time my dad hadn't passed yet, and but I was still dealing with that grief as you were talking about when you know that you know that someone's suffering, that you know that someone is going to be passing eventually. And um, those scenes of grief getting were, were very prevalent on the album and um, really helped me process it. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, just uh, just about the album, because I, I know that the album that you've written, it's an amazing album. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, and it's, it's all about grief and... Certainly, I've been listening to it, and it's um, it's helped me process a lot of grief. Um, so, I mean, just tell us about how all that happened and tied into your into your journey, and also how maybe the process of creating that was if it had a, if it was helpful or healing or whatever. Because I found mm-hmm. I found creativity to be quite therapeutic. So um, yeah, just tell us a bit of the story of that. Well, Thank you for listening to it. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Um, yeah, it. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it, man. Um, I I had gone through a couple things that really um, contributed to writing the album. So um, part of it was I had gone through some. Um, sexual abuse and I had gone and it, all these are things are separate scenarios but I had gone through some abuse I had also had a very um, very codependent relationship with an alcoholic mm-hmm. um, and the, by the way the, the abuse of an alcoholic were actually not linked they were very separate scenarios and then my dad was very sick um, so these three things were very, um, very big things to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, they were. And, yeah, yeah, and and they all kind of tie, all those emotions tie into each other and, and kind of affect each other. As, and I, I started, um, like I said, I started going to see a therapist to process a lot of trauma and grief, and. During that process, as I was learning to how how to come to terms with a lot of things in my life, and learning how to come to terms with um, how to find purpose in life, and how to how to um, just live more fully, yeah. and not be so not have those things be the defining aspects of my life, but how to live fully and use what has been negative in my life and use it in a way that I could move forward and I could start building the life I wanted to. Um, 
and started writing new songs. Um, and the the first song, or the, sorry, the last song on the album, but the first song that was released from it is the song Whole Grain of Sand, and it's the title track of the album. And um, that was the first one I wrote. And it is the song about breaking a cycle. Um, I think sometimes when we get into these states of when we're really going through our, our grief or our trauma, we have this like almost emotional loop that we go on, and it's kind yeah. of almost this like survival tactic that we have of um, yeah. going through the same sorts of emotions, the same sorts of life patterns. And the song is about letting go of things and really putting an end to that cycle and moving forward. Um, and I kind of from there worked backwards a little bit. And I wanted to take you through all the emotions of what happens in each stage of the process of grieving and of processing the trauma. Um, and so there are songs on there that uh, the second song album is the nine song album. Um, it's called Headlines. And it is capturing all the, all the lyrics are about kind of sitting in your room. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but this happens to me a lot where I'm sitting in my room just overwhelmed by my own negative negative thoughts and depression and not, not really knowing what to do, feeling a little paralyzed, like I don't want to do anything because I'm so consumed with all these negative thoughts. And the production on, on the song, and I worked with a fantastic producer. His name is Cameron Duprat, um, also known as Feather Spacer. He's an artist as well. And um, he, he and I worked together to create this like, very big production on it because I think sometimes when you're sitting in those emotions, you really feel like there are so many possibilities if you could just get out of your own head. Um, and so the song kind of takes you through that wrestling into... So, and the rest of the album takes you into more exploring those emotions and actually diving further into your sadness, your anger, especially. Anger is a big one that I feel like sometimes I haven't always been good at processing. I've not been good at getting angry about things that have happened in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that will be like, oh, you know, it was okay. I'm just fine. I'm going to find the positive. But there's something to really sitting with your anger yeah. That is so important. Um, and until I think we need to be really honest about our anger. Um, and writing music for me really, really helps process that because I, I didn't, I'm not someone who's going to like punch a wall or like um, scream into a pillow. Like, I'm not someone that can really express my anger well. So writing it out and seeing it. Um, really helped me get that emotion and come to a place where I could really let go of that anger as well. I think you ha- I have to. I had to really experience it to be able to let it go a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I resonate with that. The, the, I mean, anger. Anger was one of my principal responses. Mm-hmm. Like I was. I'm not very good at. I wasn't very good at containing my anger. Um, I had kind of the opposite problem in that it became too much of a problem 
um, mm. and was kind of con- starting to control me. Mm. Um, and it was when that happened that I realised, oh, I've got to do something about this because this is getting out of control. Mm. Um, and uh, that's when I started having counselling. Because, mm. um, I mean, I, I said this before, actually, to um, and to somebody at... 20 years ago in you must, when you lose a parent didn't, there wasn't anything like the support there is now in terms of mental health and counselling and therapy and um, awareness and support networks it just wasn't it just wasn't there um, yeah. so I didn't get any of that you know it, it, was like, it was like people were saying oh yeah maybe you should go and see a counsellor or whatever you know it wasn't any kind of support network there wasn't any kind of structure in place culturally even to to do that it was like okay you get over it you kind of you have a few days off work weeks off work um have the funeral whatever and that's it like maybe you get some counseling or down the line or something and that that was pretty much it and you know and that's just 20 years ago um you know thank goodness thank goodness that's not it's different now you know but um, and even now there's still things that we need to do better but um, mm-hmm. but yeah um, well, so my anger was allowed to get out of control you know I didn't have anywhere to process my grief mm-hmm. in a healthy way I wasn't talking talking about it with anybody <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and so um, yeah it's really important that we have a safe space to give to let our anger out um, and sometimes it's more than anger it's just raw grief I think like you just, sometimes you just want to I don't know if you, this was your experience but there's a part where it sometimes it just wanted to scream yeah. and it wasn't even anger it was just grief like you just have this inside of you that you have to get out like, yeah. like you just can't deal with it what's happened and you don't and there's just this thing inside of you Just you just have to get out I actually heard a podcast where somebody said that when they first had that moment they realised it was just their grief coming out that you know um, and yeah. and I've had that moment and it's it's painful physically painful mm-hmm. actually because the pain that we carry around is, is physical as well as emotional or mental yeah. grief is not just a an emotional thing uh, or a mental thing it's a physical thing um, but, it, but it was ultimately healing um, yeah because that's the only way that you can deal with the pain you can't carry it around with you um, you can't yeah. and I think the, the more that you try like, the more it consumes you and mm. you have to find outlets for it I I can't imagine not having music as an outlet for me um, and if had I not wrote this album, I, I think I would be in a very similar place because you do just, you have to release some of your emotions. You have to share yeah. it with people. Um, and you have to find ways to do that. Even if you're not, if you, even if you don't consider yourself what most would call a creative person, which I would argue that everyone's creative. I would agree um, with you, yeah. But some people don't uh, tend to not consider themselves as creative, but I think you have to find ways to express it yeah because otherwise it's just really and it'll continue and it'll isolate you from so many people yeah that's right yeah you can't let the pain control you no and so many people do and certainty is 
one way that people use to hide their pain and they think they've dealt with it it's really clever certainty in that it it tricks you into believing that you've dealt with your pain but you actually haven't and like and i'm talking about religious certainty but also the certainty of an addiction uh any kind of addiction not just the like the um socially unacceptable ones but you know even an addiction to uh, like tv or food or like you know any any kind of addiction is a way if, if you're using something as a way to escape the pain and not deal with it then it's a problem and actually i said this to somebody else that that there's a balance between just going away away and watching a bit of netflix to just get out of your head a bit which can be healthy and then actually just going and binge watching a whole series because you just don't want to deal with your pain um and yeah we have to be careful because Mm -hmm. yeah we can have those kind of mechanisms to help us get out of our head a bit and decompress which is healthy but but then it it can't go on like that those those things Mm -hmm. can't be because if you if you let them control you're letting the pain control you yeah. And the only way to the only way to stop pain controlling you is to confront it. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know I know when you're in the middle of it, having some things that are constructive that you can throw yourself into is good. So like I know a lot of people that deal with pain and grief with exercise and mm. that is an incredibly healthy way to do it because I think anything that puts like really helps you with any sort of embodiment yeah can really help you maybe process those emotions especially if you're someone who can't really doesn't really know how to talk about your emotions sometimes throwing yourself into exercise or like listening to music that really resonates with you that can maybe like help you get some of those emotions out but whenever something does become like the only thing that you do I think it's really important to be aware of that and be aware of am I just yeah am I just escaping or am I processing am I attempting am I trying to figure out what's going on am I having conversations with friends and maybe family if you're close to them am I having Am I really soul searching and trying to wrestle with this? But for sure, it's like I think the dangerous thing is about like addictions that aren't constructive, especially like things like Netflix and which of course everyone loves a good Netflix thing, but when you are just using it day after day to just escape your mind, it it leads you down this darker hole of being even more consumed because you you haven't really done anything and it does feel it makes you feel a little bit more helpless and I think definitely my advice to anyone that's going through something similar right now is even if you can't even if you're not at the point where you can talk about things or feel like you can tackle any sort of looking into yourself and processing and find things in your life that give you Mm. the essence of I accomplished something and whether it is like just going for a run or doing some yoga or it's reading a book or 
um, learning a musical instrument, something like that that can throw you into that to help you get through that a bit, I think is really important. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. And I found, like you with music, I found writing was really important mm-hmm. for me. In, in that, and has been like I mean even just journaling every day mm. allows me to process my emotions mm. in a really healthy way um, because it just gets things out you know yeah. <laughs> and definitely I agree on yoga um, that's like because I'm not very good at exercising but yoga <laughs> I can I can do um, and again it has been quite beneficial like yeah. in lots of different ways because it I've noticed because your your body starts producing testosterone, so you start feeling a bit aggressive during yoga, yeah. and then but if you stay with it and let let that pass, it just goes. Mm. So in a way, that kind of gets rid of a lot of anger in a kind of healthy way, mm-hmm. um, which is really I, useful. Yeah, I was laughing because I'm the exact same way. <laughs> you can never get me to go for a run or do anything like. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> oh, yes, well, this is going to be great. Thanks for having me on and um, thanks for letting me open up. So, um, personally, I, it, I think for, I think sometimes um, being so vulnerable can be scary. I think a lot of people feel that way as they're opening up so deeply about different things that you've been through. It, it, it can be very nerve-wracking, but I think we need to have more conversations like this. I think this needs to be something that is accessible to people. And I really appreciate you giving us space to have such a, a vulnerable conversation that people can listen to and... Mm. Um, Hopefully that resonates with people. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for again for coming on the show. And where can people find your album? Your album's on Spotify, is that right? Yep, it's on basically all streaming platforms. It is also for purchase on my website, um, which is kahe.com, and that's K-A-H-H-E.com. Um, you can also find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Kahe Music. Um, and coming soon, I think by the time this podcast is released, I'll actually have a um, blog post about every song on the album and kind of an, a look behind all the lyrics and what aspects of the songs related to my processing of grief. Just because I think it's, I think it's really important to go behind some of the music yeah. and, and talk about that process a little bit more so um, that'll be up on my website as well Fantastic. you can check that out so and I do recommend the album it's very good um, yeah Thank yeah you. it's called Grain of Sand correct yes. right. Grain of Sand yeah. 
Fantastic. Yeah, and it is definitely worth a listen. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. And maybe we'll have you back sometime. Um, thank you so much, Dave. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>